we're so thrilled and honored that you're here. How many glad you came to church this morning? And we've said it before, it's better than being in prison, is it not? <laughs> hey, oh, we, got, we got somebody, okay, here we go. <laughs> Maybe too close to home, all right. <laughs> but man, we are thrilled and honored that you're here. We want you to know that you belong here. There's a place, there is a space for you here to grow, to be all that God has created you to be. And so we're, and together we're learning. I mean, we're all growing up in this together. I mean, we're learning to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. So thank you for joining us and hooking up with us in that as well. And so this morning, we're continuing our series on craving. And so if you've got your Bibles, let's go right away. We're going to dig into Proverbs chapter 4, and we're going to get started right, right off the bat. And, uh, you know, this, this theme that the Lord has us on just for this year. Can anybody tell me the, the words the Lord gave us for this year? Moving forward. All right. Everybody say, move forward. Okay, this is what we're going to be talking about all year long. Everything that we're discussing is all about you as an individual, you as a family, us as a church family. We're all about moving life forward, right? Nobody interested in going backwards? Anybody want to go backwards? No, that stinks back there. We want to keep our eyes forward. And God's desire and will for you in my life is to move forward, okay? So if you look in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 18, let's just pick it up here just to, again, lay a little foundation um, I wasn't here last weekend. I mean, my wonderful cousin over there and cousinette are sitting over there. They got married last weekend. So, hey, y'all. There's a, there's a certain glow about over there. There's just a little bit of a glow. And it's just, a, yeah, the happy married couple. So, Mr. Aaron Tulin is somewhere in the house. And he took over last week. Did a phenomenal job. First weekend preaching. So, Aaron, thank you wherever you are. Oh, he's there? Is Aaron here? No, he left. Oh, he left. Okay. All right. That's... We're taking attendance. Okay, we got that, Aaron. Take that for next time. But Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 18, if you got there, just let's look at this together. It says, The way of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, which shines ever brighter until the full light of day. Aren't you thankful for that? That your life, the pathway for your life, your direction where you're going in life is to get brighter and brighter every day that you're awake. Think about that. It's getting better and better. Years get better and better. Man, time gets better and better. But now look at verse 19 on the contrast. But the way of the wicked is like total darkness. They have no idea what they're stumbling over. Now, doesn't that stink in life? Right? Where you have no idea. Why, why isn't this working? Why, why can't I make progress? Why am I not advancing in life? Well, it says that their way, they have no idea what they're even stumbling over. That's a sad place to be. Now, for verse going in, verse 18... What is the way of the righteous? It's getting brighter and brighter. What does that look like? Well, let's continue reading in verse 20. If you've got your Bibles, I don't think I have that on the screen. But verse 20, it goes on to say, My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to all those who find them and healing to their whole body. Verse 23, guard your heart. Say it with me, guard got to guard this thing. Guard your heart above all else, above anything else in life. Protect this. Why? Because it, your heart, determines the course of your life. Life doesn't happen to you. Your life, what's going on the inside, will lead a course for you. So again, how does my pathway get brighter and brighter? It's by really doing verses 20 through 23. I am paying attention to the Word. And that's why we're talking about this series, Crave. So what does it look like that my pathway gets brighter and brighter? I'm developing a craving for Jesus or a passion and excitement about him. I need him. I've moved over from the place where I'm a fan of Jesus to where I actually need him. He is essential to my everyday life. Can you see what I'm saying? Right? we got a lot of people that, oh, yeah, Jesus. Oh, yeah, he's great. He's great. 
that's cool, but what's the next step that he is essential to my life? He's essential to me making decisions in my next step, in raising my kids, in the school that I'm supposed to go to, in the college I'm supposed to go to, or the job I'm supposed to have. Jesus, what would you have me do? So rather than money leading me, now I'm being led by him. Can you see this? There's a bit of a difference. I've heard people that left a job that they've been in for 10 years to go get 25 cents somewhere else. All right, that, is that a leading? So a lot of times we got to see and check up what's leading us, what's guiding us. Because, again, the way of the righteous gets brighter and brighter. But we got to develop this craving for Jesus where he, we're not just a fan of him, but we, he is the essential part of my lifestyle. Right. You know, one of the ways that the Lord said it to me is that, Joel, I need you to have a fresh or an up to date relationship with me. You know, you know, somebody that you haven't seen for a little while. What is one of the things when you see them? What do they say? Hey, let's let's go for coffee. Let's catch up. Right? Let's catch up. I mean, I think the Lord a lot of times just sitting there, hey, y'all, let's, let's catch up. Let's talk a little bit. I mean, like his last, you know, some people, you know, they've had an experience in 2005 and, whoo, yeah, that's amazing. And they're living off of that last experience. But listen, this is 13 years later. What's the up-to-date relationship? What's he saying to you now? What's he revealing to you now? So it's got to be fresh. Right? We like fresh. Smell your neighbor and say, I like fresh. <laughs> Oh, a few coughings. All right, they've got some problems. So if they ain't fresh, there's a lot of room up here that you can just come on up. We're a lot fresher up here. <laughs> but we like fresh, do we not? Okay. So now looking down, I want you to look at Proverbs, or sorry, Psalm chapter 53 and verse 2. But just to really look at this scripture, I think this is so amazing to me. But God looks down. It says this in the Amplified, and I'm going to read it to you. There's, did you know that there's two types of Amplified Bibles now for those of you that like to study? There's an Amplified Classic, which is basically 2014 and, you know, older. And 2015 and up is called just Amplified now. So I'm going to read to you from the Amplified, not Amplified Classic, which is on the screen. But it says this, God has looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there is anyone who understands and who seeks after God. Now notice this in the quotes, who require him, who long for him as essential to life. What is God looking down to? He's looking to find someone who sees him as essential to life. Now, this is a good question to ask yourself. Is God essential to my life? I mean, the Christian answer is yes, and you're in church, so you have to say yes. <laughs> but if you really just think about it for a sec, is he essential to your life? Because, listen, in North America, we live with a lot of blessings. Do we not? I mean, if it's too cold, we turn up the heat. If it's too hot, we turn on the AC. I mean, we got cars. We got jobs that pay us good. You got lots of all these things. So is God essential? Now, when we say the word essential, that means you can't live without. Is he essential to your life? You, you, I mean, this is just something that you can just internalize a little bit. Is he essential to me? Like, so if you got a decision that you got to make. If you're about, okay, what, how do I raise my kids? Okay, what am I supposed to do with my job? I got a difficulty in my relationship. Am I going to him to get direction on what I need to be doing about this situation? That's what I'm talking essential. I need him for my everyday life. He's essential. You know, 2 Chronicles chapter 69, it says that the eyes of the Lord, now right now, the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth, and he's looking for someone whose heart is loyal towards him. This is what he's doing right now. Think about that. So I want God to stop right here. Right near Alberta. God, right here. I want him to stop and just to see someone's heart that is faithful or loyal towards him. Meaning, Lord, I want you. You are essential to my living. You know, this is God's declaration in Psalm 24, 6. It says this. 
in the Amplified, this is the generation of those who diligently seek him and require him as their greatest need. I believe that with all my heart, as we get closer and closer to wrapping this thing up, we are the generation that will seek his face more than anything else. Come on, can you say that with me? Say, I'm that generation that will seek him more than anything else. I believe that. I believe that. You know what God needs in order to wrap this thing up? Guess what? He needs men and women who will seek him out. You know, God's not just, you think, a lot of times we think God's just kind of controlling this whole thing. You know, pulling a few levers, a few strings, and, you know, you know kind of wah, making things happen. He actually requires you and I to seek him. You know, God can't just do anything he wants in this earth. He needs a man or a woman to allow him or yield to him to do it. Think about that for a sec. So you are vital to God. For him to have any way, for him to have what is going on in the kingdom, what's going on but in heaven, for it to manifest in this earth, he needs you and I. Ever thought about that for a moment? So if God wants in order to finish this whole thing up, we, he needs you and I to work alongside him. And last scripture, Psalm 27, verse 8. This is one that our dear Shirley Slopienka said. Isn't she an exhorter? Man, oh man, I just, I like when that lady just, you know, starts speaking it up and preaching to us. You. It says this in the Amplified. When you said, talking, this is what God is saying. Seek my face. In prayer, require my presence as your greatest need. My presence as your greatest need. My heart responds, says, your face, O Lord, I will seek. <laughs> now again, nobody can push this off on you. Nobody can make you crave a relationship with Jesus. But this is a decision that you and I have to make personally. And not only just personally, but I want to also do this as a congregation, that we make a decision that we're saying, you know what? We're going to seek after him like nothing else. He's essential to our service. Right? I don't think you want just a, you know, a nice little show that our team can put on. You, we want the Holy Spirit to show up and do his thing, do we not? He's the one that changes lives. He's the one that sets people free. He is the one. And so we look to him. Even right now as I'm speaking, I'm checking up on the inside to make sure that this is the way that the Holy Spirit wants to move. Because he has to have his way in order for people to see him, for people to experience him in the greatest way. Did you know that the Holy Spirit's favorite topic is Jesus? What does is, what is he like to talk about? Jesus. Why it even says that. Jesus said, when I go, when the Holy Spirit comes, the greatest thing that he likes to talk about, guess what? It's about me, Jesus said. It's about me. So listen, when we get talking about the Holy Spirit, he has no problem deflecting you know, the attention and putting it right on Jesus. So, man, it's wonderful. So this is why we make this Jesus so big, right? Because when you talk about him, he shows up, right? You know, and even in just my own personal life, my own personal craving for Jesus. You know, in 2005, in November, a lot of you shared a, you know, bits and pieces of my testimony. But I was not living for God. I wasn't going after God. I was going after the bars. I was going after the fame. I was involved a lot in sports, and I wanted the big thing. I wanted to be popular, and that was the big thing. Right? And so I made all these stupid decisions, and a lot of my family knew about it. And so, you know, my Oma especially, I can hear her giggling over there a little bit. Yeah, like, Joel's smarting up, and yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> and, uh, you know, a lot of these times, I remember we had a Thursday evening service, and anybody ever remember the group Shekinah Glory? Now, for those of you that don't, this is a wild group. When I mean wild, I mean dangerously wild. They like the, we, we would run the whole thing, and, I mean, you, you, got, you get so excited that people even pee their pants. Excited. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so this one service, I mean, we're all sitting there. I remember I was sitting in the, near the back, and uh, all of a sudden, 
But I mean, everybody's doing their laps and stuff, and you're getting excited about, woo, this is what Jesus is doing. Everybody's just excited and passionate. And all of a sudden, you know, the thing about it is if you sit down, you look stupid. Right? No, sometimes you kind of think if people are running around, you're like, man, what's wrong with you? No, but if you're the one sitting, you is the stupid one. So you get up and you just start, don't want no good. Woo! And you just start doing your thing. Well, I just kind of, you know, hang out in the back and, you know, just doing your little thing. Get your little dance on. And I remember this lady, Cindy, she called me up. Hey, I want the pastor's kid. Joel, get on up here. Oh, blast! <laughs> so you slowly make your way up to the front and like, oh, God, forgive me. I'm sorry for everything that I've done. Please don't tell Miss Cindy what I've been doing. So you finally get to the front. And, yeah, she gave me a word of correction, but it was also a very loving word. For me, I met mercy at that moment. What I what realized to me is that, yes, I was not pursuing God, but he was pursuing me. And at that invitation, at that realization for my own life, that moment on turned everything around. The things that I was involved in, even the school that I was involved in, I stopped it all and said, God, what do you want me to do? It turned everything around. And I remember that. My dad gave me a key to the building. I was working at the fire station at that time. And he gave me the key. So I remember every day after work, I would come here and I would spend time with this man, Jesus. All of a sudden, what happened, it wasn't just some God out here. He was my God. He was my Jesus. And I was his. And that turned everything around. And I remember for my own self, having to give up friendships, relationships that I had, just to kind of come here and spend time. Now, for my character, it's a little bit off because I like to be around people. Like, come, let's hang out, let's hang out. Now, to stop all of that and to come to a big building in the wintertime that's freezing cold and nobody else is in the place, it's a little bit odd for me. But you know who, every time I showed up here, Jesus met me right where I was at. And that forever changed my life. So again, this craving, no matter where you are in your relationship with him, he wants you. He wants you. Not based on what he, or he can get out of you. He wants you for you. And that's what everybody's looking for, is it not? We want Jesus for, or sorry, he wants us for what, he wants a relationship with you personally. So again, now why are we talking about deepening this relationship with Jesus? Number one is because Daniel eleven thirty two says the people that know their God, they'll be what? They'll be strong and they will do what? Great exploits. What does exploits mean? Great works. Great mighty works. I mean, you, this thing is, you, a lot of times you can read about the Old Testament. You can see, man, Moses parted the, he parted the Red Sea. Wow! Look at these exploits. But how come he could do all those things? It wasn't because Moses was so special. Why could he do all these things? Because he knew his God. Listen, when you start to know God, he'll cause you to do some things that just seem totally irrational. Totally goes against what is normal in this world. Goes completely against it. No, I don't know about you, but this is what stirs me up because listen, I enjoy reading those old-time revivals and you enjoy reading all these old-timers. Like for me, I really enjoy reading Smith Wigglesworth. Spending time reading some of this stuff is good. But listen, it is not good enough just to read about that in the past. What about 2018? Where, and I don't want to talk about the move of God. We are the move of God. And a lot of times you hear, oh, there's a move of God over there. Isn't it always kind of sad that the move of God is always where you're not? <laughs> Anybody ever think about that? Like, okay, it's in Toronto. Okay, it's in Florida. All right, it's going on in, you know, California. No, 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 I want it in Red Deer. Come on, somebody. We need to turn this thing up a little bit. And what does that take? Someone who is craving him, who sees him as essential to life. God doesn't just randomly show up in places. He goes where he is wanted. If you want them, guess what? You get them. 
So the people that know their God, they'll be strong and they'll do great exploits. Number two then, 1 Corinthians 1.9 says at the very latter part of it, you are invited into a partnership with Jesus Christ our Lord. This is your original intent. Your primary purpose for existence is relationship with Him. Number three, John 15.5, Jesus said this, apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from Him. Now think about that. Apart from Him, what can you do? Nothing. You know, Aaron said this even last week. Flesh produces what? Flesh. Fleshly produces flesh results. But the Spirit gives life. Now if I want Jesus involved, I need His Word. I need His direction. I need Him to see anything flourish and go forward in my life. I need Him. Right? Number four then. God is the source of everything that I need. He is joy. He is peace. He is love. Apart from Him, there is no such thing. Hello. Yeah. Okay. And lastly, everything in my life flows from my relationship with Jesus. If I am not with Jesus, my wife is going to be affected by that. If I am not with Jesus, my children will be affected by that. Why? My wife doesn't need more Joel. You don't need more Joel. Don't say amen. I know it already. Don't say amen. <laughs> Some of you are just waiting. Yeah, amen. <laughs> but my kids don't need more Joel. What do they need? They need him. So when I spend time with him, the Bible says that when I see him, I will become like him. So every time that I'm spending time with Jesus, what happens? I'm being changed in the image of who he is. And so when I go to my wife, she goes, man, boy, you look good. This happens on a regular basis. So I'm quoting her word for word. Man, that's my husband, man. He's so good looking. I love that boy. Man. Boy, let's go on a date. And this is, this is how she talks, and I'm, I'm cool with it. What do you mean, what? Yeah, what is this? this is a nightly thing for me. I'm like, hey, I'm just, I want to go to bed. I'm tired. Okay, just leave me alone. <laughs> you know it's true. That's why you're not defending yourself. <laughs> so again, now just reiterating a few things. But where did this relationship start? Remember we made this phrase a couple weeks ago? He started it. Say it with me again. He started it. He started this whole relationship. It's not all of a sudden that you came and, oh, I want a relationship with him. No, he started it. He initiated the whole thing. You know, 1 John 4, 19 says, we love him because he first loved us. Why do you love him? Why do you love Jesus today? Because he first loved you. Right? That's why you're here. Why do we go to church then? It's because he loved me first. So rather than, oh, I have to go to church, rather than, oh, I have to love my neighbor. No, he loved me first. I now get to do this. It's a paradigm shift. People think, you know, going to church, you're doing God a favor. You ain't doing God a favor. Going to church, I get to do this. I get to be the church. I get to, you know, socialize and minister with other people in the body. I get to do this. He called me out of darkness, and he put me in a family, and now I can relate, and I can associate with these people. And think about that. Like, sit, look at the person next to you. I get to be with you. Oh, that sounded horrible. Oh, gosh. I got to be with you. I mean, think about it. Look at the person behind you. Maybe you don't like the person next to you. Look at the person behind you. I get to be with you. That sounded even worse. All right. Look at the person in front of you. Just tell me, I get to be with you. Come on. We have to develop this mindset. I get to do this. Right? We get to come. We get to worship him in song. We get to do that. Why? Because he first loved me. 
Everything is a response to God. You're not initiating anything. I get to rejoice. I get to celebrate. I get to be happy. Why? Because he first loved me. If he didn't first do that, man, I would be screwed. My life would stink with a capital S and an exclamation point. But with him, he started it all. I get to do this life now. Man, isn't that wonderful? So Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, let's pick it up here. But I want you to remember this, that he started it. This whole relationship, he started it. So in verse 3, we look here at a couple of things that God decided. Do you know that there was eternity before creation? There was an eternity before creation happened. And again, I want to just put this in your thinking again. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You've got to constantly hear this. You've got to renew your thinking to this. So God, before creation, he saw you and I, and he made some decisions without even asking you. Right? And that's the good thing. He doesn't want to ask you. He doesn't want to ask your opinion. He doesn't want to ask how good you've been. He just made this thought because this is who he is. Right? And again, we have to understand this. God isn't who you think he is. God isn't who other people say he is. God is who he says that he is. You got to stick with what he says. Because a lot of people have no idea about God. I don't know where they get some of this stuff. But stick with the Bible. Because the Bible is God's word. The Bible is God's word. Me and our, we sing this as a family and we just run around our little island. The Bible is God's word. The Bible is God's word. We're really cool, just so you know. We drive a minivan too. Anyways. <laughs> but not me, I have a charger. Yeah. Yeah. I know, it's pretty saucy. All right. Verse 3. It says this, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now say these next three words, who has blessed. What is he saying? He's blessed. When did he bless you? Is this, is this past tense? So he's already done it, right? Who has blessed you with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Now, why did God have to say every spiritual blessing? Because before the foundation of the world, there was nothing natural. So he decided to bless, bless you with everything that he has and everything that he is. Remember in Luke chapter 15, the prodigal son, the father said to the oldest son, because he wouldn't go in and party, he said, son, everything that I have is yours. Everything. Everything I got belongs to you. So Jesus, or this is what the father already planned, that every, every spiritual blessing belongs to you because you're united in Christ Jesus. Verse 4. Now notice these, read the first to the, to the comma. Even before he made the world. Okay, so what's he talking about before Genesis chapter 1? Okay, even before he made the world, what did he do? God loved you and he chose you in Christ to be what? Holy and without fault in his eyes. Oh, but you don't know what I did. No, 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 it doesn't matter. He decided before the world began that you would be holy and without fault in his eyes. When? Before the world was even created. Okay? Now verse 5. God decided. Everybody say, God decided. So is he asking you for your thoughts on this right now? Oh, no. No, I shouldn't be blessed with all spiritual blessings. No, no, no. That's, just, that's, that's for when we get to heaven. Man, let the Bible speak for itself. Just keep putting your little religious thinking in there. Get rid of all that junk. Well, you don't know what I did. I, I, I'm not really that holy. Yes, you are. Because he decided. Stop arguing. It's for your benefit. <laughs> God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself 
through Jesus Christ. Now notice this. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Oh, yeah. Verse 6, it gets better from here. So we praise God for the glorious grace that he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is. Say it again. He is. Now, I want you to see who he is. Because what happens, you actually crave a God that you know. Now, what we want to do here is I want you to see Jesus for who he is. Right? Don't just hear my words. I want you on the inside. Let the Holy Spirit inside of you make this so real to you. Let it explode on the inside of you. But he is what? So. Don't forget that so. He is so what? Rich. In what? Kindness and grace. Let's just say that for three times. He is so rich in kindness and grace. Again, he is so rich in kindness and grace. One more time. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he had to do something. It's, he can't help it. Why? Because he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased your freedom and he, with the blood of his son and he forgave our sin. Completely. Why did he do all those things? Because he is so rich in kindness and grace. Verse 8. Not only that, but look at this. Now he's given you a shower. Now he has showered you with his kindness. <laughs> just see yourself for a moment. You, got, you really, I mean, these are just words. You could probably read these over and over again. But stop. Meditate. Think on this. Ponder on this. He has showered his kindness on me. On who? On the whole world. He has showered it along with all wisdom and understanding. This is who our God is. So I want to just again reiterate this, but this is who you are. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this belongs to you. So let's, I'm going to just read this. Verse 3 again, it goes, He chose to bless you with all spiritual blessings. So say this after me I am blessed, I am blessed. with all spiritual blessings. That's who you are. Don't argue with it. That's who you are. Verse 4 says, He loved you and He chose you in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. Now say this, I am loved and I am chosen in Christ. I am holy and I am without fault in His eyes. But what I screwed up last night. Stick with this. Number three. He decided to adopt me into his family, and he brought me close. So say this. I have been adopted into his family, and I have been brought close. Ooh. So are you distant from him? No, you're here. Next one, verse number four. It says, he purchased your freedom with the blood of his son, and he forgave all sin. So say this. I have been purchased with the blood of Jesus, and I am free, and I am forgiven. You believe that? Man, say, that's who I am. Man, verse number five. He has showered his kindness on you with all wisdom and understanding. Say this, I have been showered with God's kindness, with all wisdom and understanding. Woo. What do you have to do to earn this? Nothing. You simply have to believe that Jesus is the Christ. You believe it in your heart, you confess it with your mouth. And the moment you did that, all of these God decisions, which we call, I'm going to use the word grace, all of this grace, all of these decisions that God made became yours the moment you said, Jesus, come into my life. The moment. The moment. Say moment. moment. 
that moment. So now God looks at you as if you've never done a thing wrong. Yes. Then that's something you can get excited about. He, listen, I know we all got past. We all got that. But how God looks at you, he doesn't even remember it. He has no, he has no recall of it. If you were to go, God, do you remember when I did this? He'd go like, ah. Oh. And I'm not, I'm not trying to make this up. This is, I'll show you the scripture. He would actually go, I have no recollection of you doing that. I, I can't find it in my records anywhere. So why do you keep bringing it up? And I'm talking about this because this is going to affect an intimate relationship with Jesus. As long as you keep thinking, I've messed up. I've got this sin mindset where I've done this, that, and the other. As long as you hold on to that, it is going to keep you from experiencing this amazing God who loves you so much. Think about that. You could hinder God by your own thought process. You can hinder him. So we got to take on a new thing for thinking process. We're going to talk about that. Now, I want you to go to Psalm 103. We'll turn there for a moment. And I want to just read what I want to talk this, this morning on is I want to just take that scripture from Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7 where it says, He is so rich in kindness and grace that he has purchased your freedom with the blood of his son and forgave all sin. So if God is the liberator... That makes you the free. If God is the forgiver, that makes you the forgiven. This is who he is. Right? It's not based, listen, this whole world is not around, based around you. Right? The world doesn't circle around you, think it's all about you. It has nothing to do with you. Okay? You got that? No, it's not nice to hear. But everything God did was for you. So listen, we got to just get this thing whole process right. What God did for you, didn't ask for your thoughts, didn't ask for your opinions on it. He just simply said, from this perspective, I call you free, I call you forgiven. So that makes me what? Free and forgiven, right? Because if he said it, what does that make me? That makes me that, right? You have to go with what he says. Stick with what he said. This is, again, Proverbs 4.20. My son, listen to my words. My words. Okay, not your thoughts about this. My words. Let them penetrate deep into your heart because it will give life to you. This is, listen, I grew up in church. I've heard this my whole life. But until I actually start believing this and started thinking about this and applying this to my life, going, God, you find no fault in me. And actually believing that in my life, it changes the way that I live. It changes it. So I want the same thing for you this morning as well. Okay. Now, before I read Psalm 103, I want to just read a few things to you. But God is the forgiver. That's who He is. Okay, Psalm 86, verse 5, it says this, O Lord, You are so good. Now here, listen to this. So ready to forgive. He's ready to forgive. So full of unfailing love for all who ask for help. Now, what is God? He is ready. So you say ready. He's ready to forgive. Now, I used this illustration last time. I'm going to use it again this, this morning. But uh, husbands, you know, ever say to your wife, okay, like maybe you're going on a date or something like that. And you say, okay, hey, sweetie, we're, let's, let's go. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm just going to get my clothes on. Are you ready? Come on, husbands. You're, you're a little. I'm not going to say that. She's right beside me. It, it's free. It's just you and me talking. Are they ready? No, if you say it to your kids, hey, kids, come on, are you guys ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm just going to get my clothes and shoes on. Are they ready? No. Well, God's not just thinking, oh, yeah, no, I, I see. Oh, that's it. I'll, I'll get to it soon. God is ready to forgive. He's got his shoes on, got his clothes on. He is ready to forgive. You've got to see him this way. 
This is how he is. And he is ready to give help to all those that ask. This is a paradigm shift maybe for some people. This is who he is. He is ready to forgive. This goes out to the most horrible terrorist on earth. He is ready to forgive. What is this? It's amazing grace. This is who our God is. Remember, what is he? He is so rich in kindness and grace. This is who he is. Okay. Mind adjustment. God is ready to forgive. So see him this way. See him ready. The moment that you say help, that he's ready to come to your aid. Do you see that in him? Next, Isaiah 43, 25. God says this. I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. Why did he forgive your sin? For whose sake? For, for whose sake? His own sake. Listen, you're going to benefit of that. Thank God he forgave for my sake too. But listen, he said, I'm doing it for my sake. Why? He doesn't want to think bad about you. He doesn't want to see any junk in your life. So he has decided, I will blot it away. So when I look at you, I find no fault in you at all. I look at you and that way I'm able to run at you the moment you cry for help. The moment anything goes on, you say, help, I'm there. That's our dad. That's our God. He is ready to forgive. That's Isaiah 46, sorry, 43, 25. Isaiah 55, 7 says this. Turn to God, for he will forgive generously. Generously. He will forgive generously. He is so rich in kindness and mercy. That's who he is. Now, Psalm 103, let's look at here for a sec. You guys ready to rock and roll? Okay, that was just the introduction, so. <clears throat> Verse 1, it says, Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise His holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things that He does for me. Let me encourage you, never forget the good things that He does for you. Some translations say, May I never forget the benefits that He's done for me. you got to know your benefits. Know the right. If you were a believer, if you're a Christian, you have benefits. Same way that you do at your job. You may have some health benefits, dental business, all, anything like that. But God's got some benefits for you. And what are his benefits? Let's just read a few. Verse 3, number 1, what does it say? He forgives some of my sins. No, what, what? All. Somebody say all. He forgave them all. Woo. Even the big ones. The little ones. It doesn't matter in God. They're all big. They're, sin is sin. Right? He forgave it. All. Do you believe that? Listen, why I'm talking about this because I know this in my heart that somebody's got to get this. This is holding you back from experiencing this love God that we are talking about. You got to see this. He is ready to forgive. He forgives all my sins, and I love this, and He heals all, all, mentally, physically, all my diseases. There's a benefit. Verse 4. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. <clears throat> he fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. So now I want you to go to verse 12. Notice this. I want you just to see, and we're going to talk a little bit about what God did with sin. It says he has. Again, is this something that he is on his way doing? He's already done it. He has what? removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. Now, do the east and west, do they ever touch? No. 
Because if all of a sudden you go as far east as you possibly can, you end up being somewhat west. How does this work? And all of a sudden you're going around and around and around and around the whole world. As far as the east is from the west, that is how far he has moved our sin from us. Now that word removed, it actually means this, to eliminate and to get rid of. So let's fill that in. Go, go back to Psalm 103, verse 12 for a sec. So where it says removed, let's put the word eliminate. He has eliminated our sins. The other word was to get rid of. He has gotten rid of our sins. John the Baptist said it this way. Now, I think this is probably one of the most exciting moments in John the Baptist's career in, in ministry and life. John chapter 1, verse 29. You know, at this time, John the Baptist, those of you who have never heard of him, he's the, the one that prepared a way for Jesus' first coming to come into this earth. And I mean, all this time, from the beginning, the moment that, you know, Genesis chapter 3, when man fell, God declared that I got somebody coming. I got somebody coming. And, you know, what is it? He's going to be the one that's going to restore, redeem the whole earth back to God. So God said it in Genesis. He said it in Exodus. He went all the way out through the prophets. He said it, and he said it, and he said it, and he said it. And John chapter 129, John got pumped up because everything that he had studied his entire life, that he heard from prophet to prophet to prophet, finally he said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world is here. There he is. It's, he's coming. He's here. And it's not, think about this moment for him. Think about this moment in the history of the world. Look, there is the Lamb of God. The one who is designed. The one who was, you know, before the foundation of the world crucified. There he is. He's coming to take away the sins of the world. Because at that point, what was Old Testament people doing? Man, at the, you know, the high priest would come in and they would have to kill a bull or some kind of calf. And what would that blood of that goat or do? It would cover their sin. So what did they have? They still have the remnants of it. They still have the consciousness of, oh man, I screwed up. And they knew that they weren't good enough. And every time they did that sacrifice, it was brought up in their face again, you're not good enough. You're not good enough for God. You're not good enough for God. They knew it, but they couldn't achieve it. So this by this way, God is able to work with people by just covering their sins. But now we have a Lamb of God who doesn't just cover our sin. He completely wipes it out. It's gone from your life. So now you can have a complete access to God like nobody else ever has before. It's better than what Adam and Eve had. He doesn't just among you. He's in you. He's there. Think about that for a moment. This presence that we're talking about. The high priest would have to have a rope around his leg and a bell. And if he messed up any kind of way in the sacrifice, he dropped dead. Not because God's mad, but because sin cannot stand in the presence of a holy God. That presence, priests would die like flies in that room. Bam, 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 gone. I'm going to drag another one out. They'd just be spending all day dragging these guys out. That presence, guess where it is? Is right here now. So a lot of times we're waiting for an experience or waiting for goose pimples to come on us. Listen, you don't want them just to come on you. Let him out. Let him out. This is where he is. In the Old Testament, it was the external trying to come in and change the inside. Did it work? No. God saw that covenant and said, it's not working with my kids. So I got to do a new way of parenting, a new way of operating with my kids. It's from the inside out. That's what he wants to do. Man, we serve a good God. So that's what John said. He said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, if I say this, if you take something away from someone, you remove it from them so that they no longer possess it or have it with them. 
If I go and I come up to Eric and I take Eric's shoes off of him. <laughs> give me the other one, boy. That's, these are nice shoes. I might keep them for a bit. There we go. I took these away. Now, does Eric have shoes? No. No. <laughs> this is what God did with your sin. Give me that. And he died with it, and he got rid of it as far as the east is from the west. As far as the east is from the west. Gone. Now, sorry for the sin. There's... <laughs> and I gave them back to him, but God's not doing that with your sin. Thank you. Thank you, Eric. But he took them away. Now, in other words, I want you to read this. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 26. Sorry, I know you have troubles tying them and stuff, so... <laughs> I've been encouraging you since kindergarten. Velcro. Velcro is the way. <laughs> Hebrews 9, verse 26. And I want you to look at the latter part of it. It says this. And I'm going to read it to you actually from the Passion Bible. It says, But now Jesus has appeared at the fulfillment of the ages to abolish. Everybody say abolish. Abolish. Those are strong words. You know what? In the, Ara uh, the Aramaic, if you actually look into that a little bit more, study this out, the, or sorry, Arabic, the Arabic word is to annihilate. <laughs> so we say annihilate. annihilate. It's been annihilated. Jesus came to annihilate sin once and for all by the sacrifice of himself. Now the word annihilate, dictionary.com will give you a few good answers. It says this, to utterly destroy. The other word is to obliterate. <laughs> yeah, this is good. <laughs> so here, let me just read it to you this way. But now Jesus has appeared at the fulfillment of the ages to annihilate, to utterly destroy, and to obliterate sin once and for all by the sacrifice of himself. Did Jesus sacrifice himself? Yes, he did. So what does that mean with sin? Where is it? It's obliterated. It's gone. So the question may be, how come I still may be sinning in my life? How come I'm still dealing or struggling in sin? Here's the reality. And I'm saying this truthfully so that you get this. You do not see what Jesus did for you yet. You haven't seen it yet. If you're dealing with any kind of struggle, you've got some addiction, whether it's you know, pornography or you're, something's holding on to you in any kind of way, it's because you have not seen what Jesus has done for you yet. When you see what he has done for you, it completely just falls off of you. Sin has absolutely no power anymore. The only way that it has power is if you now yield to it. That's all that it is. You know, Romans chapter 6, you don't have to turn there, but I would encourage you, read Romans 5 and 6 in the Message Bible. It is phenomenal. The way that he says it is, since we've actually died to sin country, do we have to keep on sin? Like, do, do, is, is sin our master now? No way, because we've actually left. God, Jesus, took us out of sin country, and now we're in the country of the free. Wow. But here's the thing. We, not, we have to relearn how to live free. Yeah. You've got to learn to live here, because a lot of times people even come to church, and they're still bound by sin, or that's their consciousness thinking. Right? Church should be the most freest place that anybody goes to. And it has nothing to do with being Canadian. Oh, we're just reserved, we're a bit quieter. Man, honestly, can I just say, to hell with that. Honestly, that is, you know, that is, that is putting us in a box. 
This, is that who we are? I'm not just, I am kingdom man. That's who I am. Yes, I was born in Canada. Do I love this country? Absolutely I do. But I'm not going to let my culture define how I worship my God in this free state. Do you know why God even chose the Jews? It's because they're the most expressive. They get mad. They tear their clothes. They get happy. They party for two weeks. Think about that. Man, they know how to do stuff. <laughs> so let me encourage you. Don't be Canadian in worshiping God. Don't be, you know, whatever your background is. Don't just be Irish or Dutch or German. Be kingdom. That's who you are. God made these decisions before the foundation of the world. So be that. That's who you is. Right? And he paid too high of a price for you just to go, oh, yay, church is so great. Church is so fun. But I'm still dealing with the sin consciousness mentality. It's not, gonna, it's not worth it. Okay. So sin. What was the problem between me and God? Was sin. There was, sin was an issue. But now that Jesus obliterated, completely annihilated it, what does that mean with sin? Is there distance between me and God now? Come on, is there distance between you and God now? None. There is none. What if you even, oh, I sinned last night. Is there distance between you and God? No. Let me ask you this. Is there distance between God and the world? No. The only difference is we've responded to it. This love is there, but you've got to respond. That's why our job of telling and go preach the gospel should be the easiest thing. Why? Because it requires no work on your end. That's religion. you got to be this, this, and that. Forget about that. You just simply have to believe. <laughs> believe the grace. Believe the gospel. That's it. And the moment that you believe it, everything God decided from here, bam, meets you right at that spot and he finds no fault in you. That's why people, even on their deathbed, people receive Jesus. They could have lived the most nastiest life all their life. And at that moment, they could say, Jesus! And they, he would, right at that moment, God would look at them as if he'd never done a thing wrong. That, listen, that's not just because God, you know, is tolerant with things. No, that is how powerful grace is in comparison to what sin tried to do. What God did in Jesus is so much stronger than what Satan did in Adam. A lot of times we just start thinking about, oh, this is what sin, this is what Satan's doing. Listen, this, the world is doing what it's doing. Listen, God, Satan is here. We're not going to, you know, mince around that. He is here. He's operating. But start focusing on what grace has provided. It is so much bigger than what the, the devil's trying to do in this earth. So much bigger. So much bigger. What do you got to do? You got to start thinking from this perspective of I'm free. I'm free and I'm forgiven. And what happens? I come into this wide space. And I want to show you this real quickly. So again, my mindset. So why are we talking about this? Because a mindset is vital in your relationship with God. What's going to hinder a relationship with Jesus is a sin mentality or a sinner mentality. I'm a sinner saved by grace. Yes, you were a sinner. You've been saved by grace, but you're not a sinner anymore. Sin is gone. Remember, we just read it. Sin has been obliterated. Has it not? So you can, can't say, I'm a sinner anymore. That's not even actually a state anymore for you. It's gone. People that are still stuck in sin, how do they get out? By accepting Jesus. And guess what happens? Sin is gone. Now what happens? They're righteous. That relationship. And at that moment, that's why people can have this intimate relationship with God just like that. It's not based on what you do. It's based on Jesus. Okay? So what's going to bring me into experiencing Jesus daily is a right standing Mentality. I am righteous. Say that with me. I am righteous. I am righteous. 
Look at Romans chapter 3. I've got a few more minutes. Romans chapter 3. Look at verse 23. And everybody could quote this. So everybody has sinned. And we've all fall short of God's glorious standard. Amen, you bunch of heathen. Amen. <laughs> and that's where religious poet people like to talk. Is that a true statement? Yeah. Yes. That is very true. Absolutely. But don't stop. Look at 24. It says, yet God. We say, yet God. Yeah. Yet God with what? Undeserved kindness. What does that mean? You don't deserve it, but because he is so rich in kindness, he had to do something. With undeserved kindness, what does he do? He declares. When God's trying to declare something, he's making a statement. He's making a point. He's not trying to hide it or mince words. He declares that you are right. <laughs> Answer that phone. <laughs> and then what else did he say? He did this. Through Christ Jesus, when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. He did this. So how, look at, go, uh, oh, the next one is Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Look at these verses. I want you to see this. It says, therefore, since we have been made right. No, look at that. We've been made right. You've been made right. Did you do anything to deserve being right? No, you've been made that way. Say it, I've been made that way. This is who you are now. You're made this way. You've been made right in God's sight by faith. God, or we have now peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Now I love this verse. Because of our faith or your trust in Jesus, Christ has brought you into this place of undeserved privilege. Where you now stand. Where am I standing right now? Undeserved privilege. But listen, I have to be mindful of it. It doesn't just automatically come into my bank account. It doesn't automatically just come into me. I have to be mindful of this. This is who I am. When I deal with the situation, oh, wait a minute. Lord Jesus, you brought me into this place of undeserved privilege. I stand there right now, and I'm receiving your grace. Lord, what do I do in this situation? Now notice this. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. A few more verses. Is that okay? I want to just share this with you. <laughs> but I love that it's undeserved privilege. Undeserved privilege. It's nothing to do with you, nothing to do with what you didn't do. It's just undeserved privilege. But the blood of Jesus, or Hebrews 10, 19, it says this about a relationship with God. I can come boldly into heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. Say that with me. I can come boldly into heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. The most holy place. Heaven's most holy place. You're a throne room person. That's who you are now. You've been made that way. Uh, Hebrews 10, 22, it says this. Go right into God's presence, for your guilty conscience has been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make you clean. It makes you clean. Right? That's who you are now. You are completely free because of what Jesus has done for you. I'm going to just switch mics here on you. <clears throat> so now you and I, we have got to learn to live free and forgiven. Because a lot of times, a lot of people get saved, they get born again, they come out of 
sin. They come out of darkness. And what happens is now they got to live in this light, live in this freedom. And you know, a lot of times we're still stuck living in that old way. Now, I, I, I did a little bit of, you know, just for my own self, I like to type in, you know, into Google images. You just type in certain things and kind of certain images pop out at you. I just typed in free at last. And the picture that came up was Genie from Aladdin. <laughs> Anybody watched Aladdin before? Maybe your kids watched it. I watched Aladdin a ton growing up because I related to him. We both had brown hair, brown eyes, and that's about the extent of it. But, uh, and I wanted a jasmine, and I got a jasmine. And I also wanted a pet tiger. I had two cats, and may they rest in pieces. But, <laughs> uh, so I kind of have almost that. <laughs> but uh, there, there's one part in that movie where they just, it comes up, and Aladdin was granted three wishes, Right? I don't know about you, if you were ever, you know, some kind of genie performed to you and said, oh, what, 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 you have three wishes, what would you like? You'd say, I only need one wish. I want unlimited wishes. That's what I would say. <laughs> That's a lot of wishes. But he get three wishes and two of them were for whatever. But the third one, he made a promise and at the very end of it, he kept it. He's saying, genie, you're free. And at that moment, you kind of see like, seriously? And all of a sudden, like, the, you know, the lamp does its thing. And all of a sudden, the chains fall off of him. And he starts now bouncing around and he starts yelling, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. The best way that Robin Williams can do that, you know. But just thinking about that, as believers, a lot of times we still have this mindset of, we got these shackles still on me. I got this and that and I got the other. We have got to take a complete paradigm shift, look at it from God's perspective, where he now declares you forgiven and he declares you free. You have to start acting and operating like that person in order to see it in your life. So this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to just take a moment for you to be completely free. Some people get nervous right away. They, well, what, is, what do you want me to do? Um, everybody's freedom is going to look different. For Jeannie, he dug around everywhere and started bing, 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 bing. But I need the reality of what Jesus has done for you. Can't cause you just to kind of go, well, that, that's great. You're free free of care free of worry you know we had we had last night we had a whole party last night man everybody came to the front they just started jumping and shouting we had about six or seven people came up here told them what they're free of listen we have got to be the church what is the church the church is free if we can't be free in here how are we going to be free out there we're so intimidated by everybody else listen we got to be free of ourselves and the moment that we realize what Jesus has done for us, the price that he paid, the penalty that he paid for us, and that reality sinks in, you can't help but just to throw up your hands, like my dear brother Mike Seawalt in the back. You are free. You don't need organized religion to explain to you, okay, this is what we do next. You are free. So let's all stand up together. Say it, I'm free. I'm free. And we had a word last night too that there's people that you're believing God for to come into the kingdom of God whether it's a family member whether it's a close relative you are free from carrying that burden you're free from it you know the song that we're going to sing it actually sings I am free to worship you see a lot of these times all this life just keeps you bound where all of a sudden we're going to come to worship God and we kind of give him a half-hearted thing because God, don't you see, like, we got all this junk that we're trying to mess around with. He's saying, ah, you're free. You got to see yourself completely free. Oh man, this sickness and this disease is holding me down. No, no, no. You got to see it. I am free from that. So what do I do? I start to rejoice 
before I actually experience the freedom. That is faith. This isn't, I'll, when I see it, I believe it. No, this is, I believe it, then I will see it. So let me encourage you this morning, get free because you already are. We're not telling you to do something that, that you've never experienced before. You are free. I want you just for a moment, let's just lift our hands. And I want you just to remember the moment that you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Remember when you met him? Remember what it was like? Remember there was an altar call? Maybe it was on the street. Maybe it was at a big conference. Remember when you responded out of your heart? And what happened? You had tears rolling down your face. You had your hands in the air. You didn't give a rip what anybody else thought. You finally found life. You finally found truth. You finally found hope. You finally found an answer. And at that moment, you were so free. Guess what? That same freedom has not dwindled. It has never left. Maybe you got distracted with other things, but that freedom is still here. He came to set the captive free. That's who you are. I was captive. I was held by religion. I was held in bondage by sin. But Jesus came and he got me out. I was held back by other people. I was held back by my own insecurities. I was held back by my own fear and oppression. But Jesus came and he delivered me from myself. Now I don't give a rip what anybody else thinks about me because Jesus did this for me. He died for me. He took the punishment for me. And now he declares, I am right. I am free. I am holy. I am find no fault in you. That's what he's saying over you right now. He finds no fault in you. He finds no fault in you. He finds no fault in you. Come on, somebody say, I, I have no guilt. I got no guilt. No more shame. Let all of that go. You're free. You're free. You're free. Come on, just say, I'm free. No more guilt. No more shame. All those mess-ups you did last week, they're gone. They're gone. He sees you completely free. Now go ahead. We're going to just sing this part. men on his heart and actually what we're going to do we're going to just pray for all the husbands and men in the house just for a moment he had it just on his heart just for just for men I mean there is a boldness that men that you carry on the inside and we want to just lift you up and we want to pray over men so can we do that for a moment Lord God we are free as men to impact this world we're free to back Joel and his ministry we will break forth in our spiritual realm in this church when we as men stand up look at me men look at me men we have women here they have hearts after god we are so scared to stand for god we're working we don't want anyone to know what we are really here for men lord god give us just the freedom to stand and to back Joel in the ministry and when we as men with our hearts break forth we will break this country this city for God we give you praise Lord lift your hands and give praise to God that men we are free break free so man just raise your hand just for a moment I want to just look up with that father we just declare over every husband over every man in this in this congregation we speak a blessing over them we thank you father for the gifting that you placed in them we thank thank you that there is great grace for them to be men, for them to be husbands, to be fathers, to be grandfathers, uncles. Father, in the name of Jesus, Satan, we declare 
your days of triumph are over. You have no more reign in households, but men, we are rising up to be Jesus' men. So we thank you for it, Lord. We bless you for it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Who isn't it good to be free? Ha! Can we just shout out freedom? freedom. Come on, say, I'm free! Woo!